O Lord God, as I speak the word you've placed on my heart, I ask that it will minister to each. I pray, Lord, that we will not be the same when we leave as when we came. Lord, I ask for the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. Would you move with freedom among us? Lord, there's a work of healing, of pouring in of oil and wine, of binding up the bruises and the broken places, of healing marriages, of drawing together families. Lord, I pray today that as this word is spoken, you will give us minds that understand. Take the veil from our eyes and let us see Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Let me try in a very simple way to outline what I see in the Spirit, and then I'll go to the Scriptures and demonstrate it for you so that you see out of the Word of God how it actually works. It may seem simple to you, but stay with me. There is a point to it. My past is over and finished. I can't go back to it. It's over. Whatever I did, whatever I said, whatever I saw, whatever my condition was in the past, it's written in the book. It's recorded. It's there. It is a testimony against me. It is my sin. The future? I can never live in my future. I'll never arrive at my future. I'll never enter my future. It's always the future. So all I have is right now, this moment, and it passes and it belongs to my past. So right now I have this present time and we're choosing to share it with each other. And we're choosing in this present moment to say, Jesus, would you come and would you do a new work in our hearts? Would you recreate us? Would you do something in healing us right now? Because now is all we have. Now, I can come to Jesus in the present and I can say to him, you see my past. I repent of that. I choose to no longer walk in this. I'm sorry. I fell short. And he will put it under his blood. And the past is over. And Jesus never asks me to beat myself up with my past. My past is over and it's under the blood and it is utterly wiped clean. It is finished. It is over. 
There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I don't need to carry the burden of the past. I can release that into the hand of Jesus and I can trust him because he went to the cross and he covered that past. So I don't need to hold my wife's past against her. If Jesus doesn't, I don't need to. And Jan doesn't need to hold my past against me because it's over. And if we together as a couple come before the Lord as we have and on our face before God repented of our past, it's under the blood. It's over. Now I can choose to go back and dredge up that past. And I can choose to wound my wife with her past. She could choose to wound me. I tell you, there are some things that I've said in the past to my sweetheart that I'm sorry about. But those words cannot be brought back. But they're under the blood. Now we can dredge those words up and we can use them to wound each other in the present. Or we can choose to let them lay and trust in the blood of Jesus to cover that and know that it's all covered. Now in the present, I can choose to say, Jesus, my past is under your blood. And I now submit my life to you. I now am your servant. And in the scripture, this is referred to as dying. Romans, the sixth chapter. It's coming into Jesus. And it's laying down my life. And it's saying, Jesus, would you now live your life through me? And I exchange. I give him my life and he gives me his life. And now I no longer have a life except his life. But I can choose to say, no. Jesus, thank you for taking care of my past, but I want to run now. I'm going to be in charge of now. I'm the boss in my life. And I'll choose how I spend my time. I'll choose how to spend my money. I'll choose. I'm the boss of my life now. Well, usually when we speak about this, we speak about it in terms of, okay, you have the choice. And then we usually let it drop. We don't go further than that. Today, I want to go further than that. And I want to show you in the scriptures that God is not neutral about the future. We like to hold that, okay, I have some power now and I have some control. If I adopt that position and I pull back from Jesus Christ and I say, okay, I can watch what I want to watch, I can go where I want to go, I can say what I want to say, and I'll just put it under the blood again. Then I want you to know that God who stands in the future 
and who controls the future decides to fight against us. Now, I can't control my future. I can only control my present moment. I can make decisions about the present moment, and I can hope that the present decisions that I'm making will give me a better future. I can save the money in the bank, hoping that in the future I'll have a better future. I can create relationships with people that I hope will in the future guarantee me love and nurturance and caring, financial security. I can even buy life insurance. I can make plans for the future. The problem is, as I make these plans now in the present time for my future, if I'm choosing to control the present moment, and I'm choosing to control what occurs in the future by how I control my present moment, then God is not neutral toward me. He works against me in my future. If on the other hand, I submit my life to Jesus Christ, even as I have submitted my past, I submit the future and I put it under his blood, then he works in the future for my best interest. So my question to you this afternoon is, do you want God to work for your best interest or do you want him to work against you? There is no neutrality. God is never neutral. He's either working for me in the future or he's working against me in the future. And if God is working against me for the future, I will face judgment. Now that judgment is of two kinds. It is either a remedial judgment that will lead me toward repentance and towards salvation, or the judgment will result in my going to hell. Let me show you in the scriptures what I'm speaking about. In Joshua, the seventh chapter, Joshua, the seventh chapter. We find the story of Achan. Achan is the Judas of the Old Testament. You remember in the sixth chapter, we find that Joshua, at the direction of the Lord God of heaven, commands all of the people to shout, Verse 17, the city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her and her house shall be spared. Again, that word devoted in the Hebrew is harem, meaning harem. That's the root word. God is saying, I own everything in Jericho. And everything in Jericho 
of material wealth is to be brought into my treasury, and everyone who is there in human form or animal form is to be slain. Everything is devoted to me, harimed to me in the Hebrew. And so the trumpet sound and the people shouted, the walls collapse and every man charges straight in and they take the city and they devote it utterly to God. But there was an Israelite in chapter 7, verse 1, who acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. You might understand Achan is probably close to 60 years of age. Achan is, he's tired of hand-me-down clothes. He's tired of not having any class or style. He sees this Babylonian garment and it is gorgeous and he says, I need to secure my future. I have to begin looking out for my family's interest. And so I want that garment and I want that gold and I want that silver because with that, I'm going to secure my future in the promised land. He didn't understand that his future had already been secured by the God of heaven. And so the word used in the scripture is that Achan trespasses against God. The King James Version, trespasses against God. He went where he was not allowed to go. He was not allowed to go and secure his future, taking what belonged to God to secure what he desired. So they send a small contingent of men, some 3,000 warriors, to fight against the 12,000 people who lived in the little town of Ai. And 36 fathers or sons, uncles, died. And the children of Israel lost heart and fled like novice warriors. They knew there was no power of God to deliver them. They knew they were being given over to destruction and they were terrified and they fled. Now, oh, today, if we could just sense in our spirit when we are being given over to destruction, if only we could know in our spirits when the presence of God is upon us, drawing us into his heart, when we're clean before God. And I would just ask you now, assess your heart. Are you clean before God? Have you come to this place today clean before God so that you will know in your spirit if God is for you or against you? Some of you have experienced the bitterness of having God against you. And some of you have experienced the joy of knowing that God is supporting and lifting and freeing and healing you. 
which are you today? Verse 6 of chapter 7, Joshua tears his clothing. That's the typical cultural form that says he's in great sorrow, brokenhearted. He falls face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, and he remains there all evening. The elders of Israel do the same. And then finally Joshua begins to pray, and it's a, it's a prayer of an immature man. Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? As though the God of heaven did not have the courage to care for his own. Now let me say it as straight as I know how to say it. If you will confess your sin, of your past and put it under the blood. If you will trust in Jesus Christ for your past, if you will put the future in the hands of Almighty God and trust Him to work out what is the very best for your heart, and at every moment during the day, you will continually turn to the Lord and say, I am a man without wisdom. I am a woman without wisdom. Will you teach me how to walk before you, God, with an upright heart? Then you will know the blessing of God in your marriage. You will know the blessing of God in your family. Joshua doesn't know the Lord in this way yet. He continues to whine before God. Oh Lord, what can I say in verse 8? Now that Israel's been routed by its enemies, the Canaanites and other people in the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? And the Lord speaks to Joshua and says, Stand up. Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant. Now look. I pray God will give you understanding in this today. That if you have committed your heart to Jesus, if you've confessed your sins in the present and in the past, he will take care of your future. You don't have to take care of your future. God will take care of your future. He'll take care of the money. He'll take care of the housing. He'll take care of the children. He'll take care of the brothers and sisters. He'll take care of your husband or your wife. God will do it sovereignly by his might. Will you trust him? This whole journey for, for me began mm, almost 20 years ago. When as a pastor, I had to confess finally that I saw no evidence that God was alive. When I was merely teaching positive principles for successful living, strategies for success, using the scriptures. And I came to a point where I just had no heart 
any longer to walk in my humanism. That either God was who he said he was, or he was a liar. And this whole journey that has resulted in our being here today started back 20 years ago with my going before Almighty God and getting on my face and saying, Lord God, I've got to get straight whether you're for real or not. And I tell you, every one of you have got to deal with this agonizing question. You've got to decide whether God is who he says he is. And the Lord God of heaven has to give you a mind to understand and to know whether God is who he says he is. Can you trust him? Until you know whether you can trust God, how do you stand? I simply stand today before you and bear witness that I look back now over my past, year after year in my past, and I bear witness that when that past was my future and I couldn't control it, God stepped into it and he ordered that past. And it was for my best interest. Can you look back over your past? Can you see the hand of God moving? Even though you had agonizing pain, even though you were utterly destroyed by what was going on, even though you were victimized by what was going on, can you look back in all of that and see that God was in it and that he was healing and he was saving and he was moving to bring you to the place where you are now? that he was building a testimony in your heart that he is a God who is faithful and he loves you. Satan has come to me so many times and has said to me, God doesn't love you, look. And I looked. And he loved me. Satan was a liar. I bear witness before you today. The Lord God of heaven has picked me up in his arms and he has carried me. And he will carry you because he is no respecter of persons. He sees the agony of heart. He sees the rebellion. Nothing is hidden from his eye, but his heart is so filled with mercy and compassion he overflows with mercy and compassion. And I cry to him, oh God, pour in the oil and the wine. Bind up my wounds. And he has done it. And he is doing it. The only problem comes when my heart rises up in rebellion. And I say, I'll take charge now of my future. And then the Lord God of heaven becomes my enemy. And that is so excruciatingly painful, I no longer will do it. I can't control my future, but Jesus can control my future.
My future is not in question today, and I pray that yours is not either. I already have my street address, Revelation 21. I'm going to heaven. How do I know that? Because Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. I want to be there. Now here is Achan. He has sinned against God. He has violated the covenant. He has taken the devoted things. He has stolen. He has trespassed against the Lord God of heaven. And because of this, the whole camp is under a curse. And God controlled their future and defeated them at Ai. I want to show you another scripture. It's in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Let's begin with verse 18. Deuteronomy 29, verse 18. And then we're going to go to the New Testament because I want you to see everything I'm describing for you is clearly written in the New Testament. It's a part of the New Covenant. Deuteronomy 29, verse 18. Make sure, this is Moses speaking, just before his death. Make sure there is no man or woman, clan or tribe among you today whose heart turns away from the Lord our God to go and worship the gods of those nations. Make sure that there is no root among you that produces such bitter poison. The tears and the brokenness of your heart have come about because of the poison of rebellion against Almighty God. Either your rebellion or someone around you's rebellion. Much of the pain in my life I didn't ask for. It was passed on to me by other rebellious people. You too have experienced that. But there is an adequate share of my pain that I brought on myself by the way I responded, by my lack of turning toward Jesus, by my determination to handle for myself my own affairs, to create the future that I desired in reaction against what had occurred in my past. I remember standing on the banks of a muddy river, the Shenango River, as a child vowing, when I grow up, I will not be like these other country people, these ungodly young people that I was surrounded by at the old swimming hole. I said, when I grow up, I'm going to be somebody. Well, you'd say that's a good thing. No. Or I learned that I wasn't to be somebody. I've had to break that vow. 
I've had to confess that vow. I've had to renounce that vow. And I've had to say, Jesus, would you be somebody in my heart? Watch. Verse 19, when such a person hears the words of this oath, he invokes a blessing on himself and therefore thinks, I will be safe even though I persist in going my own way. This will bring disaster on the watered land as well as on the dry. The Lord will never be willing to forgive him. His wrath and zeal will burn against that man. All the curses written in this book will fall upon him, and the Lord will blot out his name from under heaven. The Lord will single him out from the tribes of Israel for disaster according to all the curses of the covenant written in this book of the law. I praise God I'm not under the law. If I were under the law, this is how God would have to treat me. But we're not under the law. We're under grace. We're under the new covenant. So let's look at the new covenant. Let's see how God deals with this. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter. I'm going to begin reading with verse 4, but I urge you this evening when you go home, read this entire 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Let it soak into your skin. Let it invade your heart. Verse 4, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. In other words, he's saying, look, get serious about sin. It separates your heart from God. So do whatever you have to do to the point of shedding your blood. Deal with what's going on in your heart. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. In other words, in the new covenant, when God is against us, what he's really doing is bringing about discipline in our life. And if we'll respond to that discipline, if we'll then submit our spirits to his spirit, if we will not harden our heart and say, it's going to be my way or the highway, if we'll submit to him and say, Lord, I will allow you to rule my life. 
I will allow you to have charge of my finances. I'll allow you to have charge of my work. I'll allow you to have total charge over my husband or my wife or my children. I submit all of them to you. Now order my steps, direct my path. And the discipline results in holiness in your life. Now what is holiness? Well, again, holiness is not living by a checklist of do's and don'ts. It may surprise you, but holiness is not watching television and not stealing and not murdering. Holiness is not doing a checklist of stuff and saying, okay, I've done it, now God let me in. Holiness is where we submit our spirits to the Holy Spirit and we allow him to have control and a rule in us. And he then begins to do this marvelous work of confronting us with those areas of pride and arrogance and, and gluttony and lust where he begins to deal with us so that now, why don't I want to watch the television? I was a television addict for years. I don't want to watch it because when I watch it, it sears my heart against Jesus. And when I come to read his word, it's hard and cardboard in my mouth. And I don't want to relate to Jesus that way. I want to come into Jesus' presence and have immediate access to the throne of God. I can't afford not to be in immediate access to Jesus. You see, again, it comes back to the question, am I in charge of my future? Or is God in charge of my future? If you're in charge of your future, go ahead and eat from the world whatever you choose. And God will be against you. There will be brokenness in your relationships and, and sorrow at every turn. Because God will bring discipline in your life. And he'll say, will you submit once more? Will you allow me to rule over you? Will you allow the demonic powers to be defeated in your life? Now, some of you are, are aware, but probably some of you are not. There are things called familiar spirits. A familiar spirit is simply an agreement that I've made with a demonic power. It's an agreement between me and Satan that says, I want to keep this in my life. I desire this in my life. It could be lust, it could be pornography, it could be gambling, it could be bitterness and anger, it could be any number of things where a stronghold is formed with this familiar spirit. And I say, I choose you instead of Jesus. I choose to let you live in my life. You are my pet. And the pet finally controls you and brings you to utter ruin and destruction. So here in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, we're having outlined for us the way God begins to deal with us in his great mercy and compassion. Verse 14, make every effort Verse 14, hear this. Make every effort to live in peace with all men. Do you have some peace to make with somebody? 
Does somebody need to hear from your lips, I forgive you? And I'm sorry. Is there anyone that needs to hear peace instead of cursing from you? I know some families where, where feuds exist, where brothers haven't spoken to brothers for years. Haven't spoken to a mom or dad for years. Think about that family member and immediately in your mind you say they're trash. I want nothing to do with them. I know what that's like. My two brothers for over five years would not speak to Jan or myself saying that we'd gone crazy in our commitment to Jesus and they wouldn't talk to crazy people. Now praise God that's been healed and restored. And now they call and say, would you pray for us? We need to know Jesus the way you do. Praise God he's done that. But I knew for five years the bitterness of being totally cut off and separated in our family. And I just ask you today, who needs to hear peace from your lips, and from your heart? Sometimes husbands and wives say things and do things with each other. And then it's buried. And then everybody acts like everything's okay. But nothing's okay. Because some of you have a list of things that you can't talk about. Until finally the list grows so long, you can't talk about anything. Nothing's safe to talk about. Some of you need to sit with each other or with other close family members and talk about some of those things that we can't talk about. To simply take a position with your husband or your wife that from now on there will be no furniture in our marriage. There will be no separation between our hearts because no longer will I judge you. I speak peace to you. I spent a great deal of time last night on the telephone with a a dear pastor who was struggling in his marriage. And as I spoke to him about his marriage, the Lord reminded me of the sermon today and said, ask him if he's spoken peace to his wife. And as soon as I asked him that question, he began to weep on the phone. He said, I haven't spoken peace to my wife. I've spoken condemnation. She's never been able to measure up to my expectations. How do I change this? My answer was, are you willing to become a servant? Are you willing to serve your wife? No, I don't mean, are you willing to put her above you? I mean, are you willing to serve her? 
Are you willing to stop being an authoritarian, dogmatic authoritarian? And are you willing just to serve? Are you willing to speak peace to her heart? And after some time, he said, yes. And such joy began to rise up in his heart. Now, the second part of that, make every effort to live in peace with all men. The second part is, and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. And then comes this awesome description of coming to Mount Zion in verse 22 to the heavenly Jerusalem, to the city of the living God. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. That's where we belong. That's our church. To the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven, you've come to God, the judge of all man, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See, the blood of Abel was the blood of revenge. Abel's blood cried out from the ground for revenge against his brother who murdered him. The blood of Jesus does not cry out with revenge. It cries out peace. The blood of Jesus brings holiness. It brings submission to the will of God and to the will of the Father. So I have to come back now and ask you this question once more. Do you want Almighty God to fight against you in your future? Or do you want Almighty God to be for you in the future? You get to choose. If you choose to fight against God and to have him against you in your future, he'll bring judgments, and I pray those judgments will be unto repentance in your heart. If you choose to submit now, you choose to submit your past, you choose to submit your future, you are then safe in the arms of Jesus Christ, and he will carry you through. pain of the past is real. It's not imaginary. We have all been wounded. And we have all wounded. And Jesus wants to say to us today, put it under the blood. Let it go. Let the bitterness go. Let the anger go. Let the hurt go. 
Let Jesus begin to carry you. Submit that thing to the Lord God of heaven. Those disappointments, those expectations for the future, let it all go. And let the Lord God of heaven shape your future. Let him give you a mind that understands these things. I bear testimony today. The Lord God of heaven is a gracious God. He is a merciful God. He is a kind God. He sees our sorrows. He sees our bruises. He sees our brokenness. And he pours in the oil and the wine. And he restores our soul. Mighty God. I confess I have through so many years been in rebellion against you, Lord God. And I've confessed these things and I've put them under the blood and I thank you for covering them. And I pray now, Almighty God, that you would order my future, that you would order the future of every person in this room, that you would order the future that we might be together in heaven without one missing, with no rebellion of heart. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. I want to ask now, very quickly and very simply. Is there anyone here today that has felt like and has experienced and has known that God has been against you? That you came into this place today feeling like God was against you? And today you want to change that. And you want to submit that to the Lord Jesus. Would you come forward? Would you let us pray for you? others who felt like God was against you. Today you want that forever changed. Would you come? in your spirit and in your heart you just felt like God was against you. And you can't live with that any longer. Come quickly.
this brother and sisters have come. Recognizing that you have been against them and that the pain and agony of that has broken their hearts. And Lord, they come today putting all of the past under the blood, confessing their sin against you. And asking, Lord God, for your mercy. For you are God of great compassion. And Lord, they come submitting their present to you. Saying that they will follow you, that they will serve you. Lord, they come and they now need to know in their spirit that you are for them for the future. They need to know the blood of the cross has covered them and washed them and made them clean. And Lord, I pray now that you'll begin to move with this truth in their hearts. Would you pour in that oil and wine right now? Would you bring the healing right now, Lord? Well, they're going to make mistakes tomorrow. They're going to make mistakes today. But Lord God, if they have submitted their hearts to you, you're going to cover those mistakes. And you're going to discipline them and you're going to call them back. You're going to continually woo their hearts. And I pray right now, Lord, in these three precious ones especially, I ask that the wooing power of the Holy Spirit would be released. That the mercy and grace of your blood would be released over their hearts and lives. I ask that you would speak peace into their spirits and holiness into their lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name.